Welcome to another exciting episode of National Google Radio and the Republic Broadcasting Network, RBN. RepublicBroadcasting.org. It's the food poisoning of free speech. Because you probably shouldn't eat two-day-old sushi uh, that's not always being kept in the refrigerator. Uh, I found that out the hard way. Um, but fortunately, we have Kato here to kind of relieve the burden. Uh, we'll get to him in just a second. But go to RepublicBroadcasting.org. Click on the donate button. Send fundage to 2251 Double Creek Drive, Suite 302, Round Rock, Texas 78664. Phone it in to 1-800-734-2719, extension 3. It really, really, really is badly needed. Um, okay. Hey, Kato, how are you doing? Good, good. Yeah, sorry to hear you're not feeling well. Uh, that's why I guess I am a Dr. Kato for today. I may not be able to uh, cure uh, your symptoms, but I can definitely uh, alleviate them, relieve uh, them by uh, helping you do the show. Well, hey, have you ever used um, Chinese herbal medicine? Uh, I have, um, not very often, but I, I have before, yes. Yeah, I have too. Um, not very definitely, often. Def- definitely recommend it over uh, pharmaceutical pills, though. I stay away from prescription medicine, that's for sure. I stay the hell away from that. It, You know, it may well be, like, the difference, the difference between Chinese medicine and pharmaceutical medicine, uh, and maybe I'm oversimplifying, but with ph- pharmaceutical medicine, they, you know, Pfizer or Merck or whatever will get, get say, uh, a patent on a chemical, and then they say, "Okay, we've got this patent on a chemical. Let's see. Let's see what it works for." And they try it for this, and they try it for that. And for instance, um, famously, uh, minoxidil, also known as Rogaine, was used as a—I think it was used as a blood pressure medicine, but it didn't work very well. But they noticed it actually had some effect on uh, male pattern baldness. So then they, they started marketing it for male pattern baldness. So there's that type. I mean, that's, that is um, the Western system is you get, you get the um, chemical first and then just kind of work backwards and see what it's good for. And with um, Chinese medicine, the thing about Chinese medicine, and maybe um, this is not as, as, applicable for, to try to find fast um, remedies for, for new ailments. But because the Chinese have been working at it for thousands of years, um, they start with the ailment and what works on the ailment. And they try different things over the thousands of years. And over thousands of years, uh, oh, well, well, maybe this type of root works well for this type of ailment. And so you're you're um, treating the ailment with a variety of um, of possible medications as opposed to getting an, a medication that you get a patent on and then find an ailment for it. So it's um, that's my understanding is that's the big difference. Yeah, one one is you know looks at the body as a whole and, and uses more you know natural methods 
to kind of heal, you know, the body, whereas the other one, you know, it's just all about, you know, just addressing the, the specific, you know, symptoms, you know, the parts specific symptoms, and it's more, you know, technical based on, uh, you know, oh, this is how these, you know, biochemicals react, and how this, this rea- you know, this chemical reacts with this, and then and that's where you got, like, organic chemistry and inorganic chemistry, and then, you know, various, you know, biology is tied into it and it's it's the thing with western medicine though or, or pharmaceutical medicine I say is it's you know it's too many side effects and oftentimes the side effects are worse than the actual you know symptom itself so that's why that's why i don't use you know any kind of prescription medicine for for anything you know not not that i need it at this point and even should it come to that i definitely won't be using it well, yeah, you never know. And once people get to be in their 60s and their 70s, in America, it's not at all uncommon for people to be taking just one medication after another. So, there, I mean, there are people who live to be live into their 80s and 90s without taking for, uh, prescription medications. But what's much more common is uh, for them to, you know, year after year, pick up a new medication, a new medication. And so once they're in their 70s, they're taking half a dozen medications, a dozen medications, and uh, well, I don't know. And like I say, so much of it has to do with patentable molecules. You can get a patent on a molecule, then that's something valuable. You want to find out, it, find a use for that, because then you can charge a lot more money. So I don't See, know. I think the most, um, most important thing is to to eat healthy when you're young. You know, eat whole foods. You know. Like Dr. Duke always recommends, you know, eat healthy, you know, stay away from sugars, away from, you know, um, any kind of glucose um, and all that. Just, you know, lots of lots of meat, you know, whole meats and, and vegetables and, and, you know, some some you know, non non sweet uh, fruits and all that. Yeah. Yeah, you do so your that's, best. That's uh, really the best thing. And exercise is really good. Uh, I don't give out a lot of uh, uh, health and fitness recommendations in general, uh, but I think um, eating a good diet and getting a lot of exercise and having a dog, uh, I think these are all good for you. You know, you, you can have a cat or uh, a wombat or, you know, whatever. Yeah. whatever. And telling jokes, too. Tell, tell, tell jokes, you know, because they say laughter is the best medicine. So, you know, tell as many jokes, you know, to yourself or, or you know, Try to, you know, find something funny, um, and, and that helps. Laughter is the best medicine. I've heard that before. Well, and sometimes you look around at the world, and you do just have to laugh. So there's stuff that's going on. Uh, so, for instance, you've got this whole drama about a uh, emergency spending bill for World War Three. Uh, the the so the the Biden administration had been uh, had got and this is I heard um I think I heard Jim Fetzer comment on it and I don't have an answer for him he he said he said I thought that the Constitution required you to all spending bills to be initiated in the House of Representatives and of course it does and it seems that they're they're passing this stuff in the Senate first I don't know why um, maybe there's some sort of technicality maybe it's because it's a continuing resolution I don't know. Uh, but you had that you've you've got the Senate that um, initially the Senate 
voted on a uh, a bill that had 60 61 billion for Ukraine 15 to 20 billion for uh blowing up babies in Gaza a bunch of money like another 20 billion or something for Taiwan because we don't have enough wars and then something like um 15 billion for border security uh border and security then, and, and then if you look closely at the border security section it's actually giving more power to you know federal you know border patrol agents to uh, uh you know allow more illegals in yeah so, yeah so, so it's really like, even worse it included a provision so um you know when when trump was president uh, I guess like uh, sometimes you'd have a thousand people a day crossing the border, which seemed like a lot because th- that's 365,000 a year. Right. But mm-hmm. right now we're at 10,000 a day. We're at 10,000 a day, which is 3.65 million per year, which is, which is pretty substantial. And, you know, you let that go on for a while and, and you're substantially changing the uh, demographic makeup of the United mm-hmm. States, especially those are the ones that are discovered. Those are the ones that have been found. What right. about the ones that haven't been found? Yeah. And and we really don't know what those numbers are. But this this the original bill that had border security. Well, what does border security mean? Border security, it included a provision that if um, border crossings got over 5,000 a day, which is half of, half of what it is today, but like five times what it was under Trump, uh, then they can shut down the border. They're allowed to shut down the border. Why aren't we allowed to shut down the border? Why, why do we have to limit it to 5,000 5, a day or wait till it goes over 5,000 a day to shut it down? If you have the ability to shut down the border, what's the point of letting all these people in? So, so that was the original bill, and that was going nowhere. So somehow to s- sweeten the deal, they stripped out everything about American border security, and it's just a pure foreign aid bill, which passed easily in the senate with about i like something like 40 percent of the the republicans almost half the republicans voted for it um and if there was a vote on it in the house of representatives i i'm pretty sure it would pass but i think what's going to happen is uh speaker johnson is just going to uh go in uh, you know adjourn the session go into recess without passing this that's what then, on, you got dead on arrival yeah, dead on arrival Dead on arrival, yeah. And you got Brandon out there saying the reason that um, Avdiivka or whatever the name of that that Ukrainian city that just it just fell to, uh, to Russian liberals uh, that that was because they didn't vote on the on the, the spending bill. That was that's that's Trump's fault. Like, well, good. I, I mean, I, 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 the sooner the Ukraine war ends, the better. And the only way it's ending is in a Russian victory. So. Um, anyway, pretty much at this point, I mean, Russia's <laughs> Russia's going to have to go all the way into Kiev. Well, maybe maybe, maybe not, but I mean, the the, the whole you know the, the Zelensky regime, I mean, needs to be neutralized completely in in Ukraine in order for that part of uh, you know that part of this global war to to, to end. Um, essentially, Zelensky is going to have to be toppled. In order for you know there to be peace in the region again. So, but, um, yeah, and and he's on very very thin ice. 
Uh, he's got Petro Poroshenko gunning for him. He's got he just fired General Zeluzhny. Uh, so you got Poroshenko. Poroshenko uh, was he came in in the wake of the 2014 so-called Maidan revolution, or we could call Maidan coup, which brought in Poroshenko as president. It brought in uh, Yats, uh, Yatsenyuk as prime minister. It brought in um, Vitali Klitschko, the boxer, as mayor of Kiev. I haven't heard anything about Yatsenyuk, um, who was claimed by an Israeli newspaper to be a Jew. And I always thought he was a Jew. He looked Jewish enough. I don't know. At the end of the day, I don't know for sure. But um, Yeah, it was either Haaretz or Jerusalem Post said he was a Jew. Um, But whatever. Um, I've not been hearing about him, but Klitschko and Poroshenko have been very outspoken recently against um, Zelensky. And then also, in um, 10 years earlier, and people, people forget about this, but there was the so-called Orange Revolution, one of the original color revolutions. It took place in, I guess, late 2003, early 2004. There had been an election. And once again, it was an election that uh, centered around, um, uh, what's the guy's Victor Yanukovych. And Victor Yanukovych had been declared the winner of the election. And then you had all these demonstrations in Kiev uh, saying that it was fraud and the Americans said it was fraud and the Europeans said it was fraud. And so they and, and Putin in his Tucker interview actually mentioned this, but probably went over people's heads. But they held the election and, and then the, the next election, the uh, the opposing candidate, which his name was yeah. Victor. You know, he he yeah, was declared the winner. You know, they did a third round of elections, which is, oh, yeah. is you know, totally violates the, uh, at the time, the Ukrainian constitution to have three right. rounds of elections. And then, I mean, pretty much they essentially did like a, a proto version or like a slightly altered version of what they did here in 2020 um, to where, you know, here they just stopped the counting altogether and then regrouped and reassessed everything, um, you know, and then suddenly Biden was up, you know, by several hundred percent. Um Whereas, you know, yeah. over there, they just said, okay, we'll do another round. Um, and, yeah, speaking of that that interview, though, with, with, with Tucker Carlson that, that President uh, Vladimir Putin did, I mean, he pretty much laid out the case perfectly as to, you know, why he has no choice but to do what he's doing. Um, and, you know, he, he basically said, I've, I've done everything I could to, to try to uh, work with the West, but nothing has nothing has has worked. You know, it's, it's the West that... that won't compromise. So therefore, we have no choice but to go on. Or won't negotiate in good faith, because remember, they've they've reached deals. They reached famously these two Minsk Accords. And then in the after in recent years, both Angela Merkel and um, Francois Hollande, who was at the time the uh, president of France, they were supposed to be the guarantors of this agreement. And they both come out and said, oh, we were never planning on implementing this anyway. We just wanted to buy time, as did as did Petro Poroshenko. They all said, oh, we, we're, we weren't negotiating in good faith. We just wanted to buy time to build up the military. They've said that. They've all said it publicly. Um, mm-hmm. So I, the reason I mentioned the Orange Revolution in 2004, partly a lot of people forgot about it, but also, so you had Viktor Yushchenko. I don't know what's going on with Viktor Yushchenko. 
Um, he had gotten some sympathy vote because supposedly he had been poisoned and his face turned gray. Um, but he had a prime minister named Yulia, Yulia Timoshenko, who, you know, just, just objectively speaking, was, was, was really pretty hot. She was a very uh, attractive woman. She's still around. And, um, and she is trying to position herself as somebody that even the Russians could negotiate, that could negotiate with the Russians. So at, at any rate, I'm, I'm bringing all these people up because you do have a lot of high profile Ukrainians who are trying to throw Zelensky under the bus. What that would lead to, it all depends. But uh, at least in the case of, of Timoshenko, who is, is, you know, she's a sleazy politician. But and I don't know how much support she still has. She lost the uh, 2010 presidential elections in the second round to uh, Viktor Yanukovych. But um, but you know she's presenting herself as somebody who could uh, achieve a negotiated end to the war. So you don't know what's going on. But, but uh, Zelensky's position is is very precarious. That's really what I'm trying to get at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's really no telling. Really, the you know you can't trust any of those politicians in Ukraine, just like you can't trust any of them in America, because they're all controlled by the um, Judeo-Western elites. Um, and it's like you know this is just all positioning, because you know I mean most Ukrainians know. I mean Zelensky is is I mean, he's a he's a piece of crap. He's a tyrant. He, he's you know oppressing his own people. So you know you have you have all these other politicians. They're trying to use the uh, you know anti-Zelensky. Um, you could say kind of use that pitch toward the Ukrainian public to try to get into power, but there's really no telling what they would do. I mean, I couldn't see them being any worse than Zelensky, but they're not. They're not. They're not great either. They're, these are all sleaze, especially Porky Pig. I mean, look, look at the uh, disaster he was um, when he was Porsche. installed. Yeah, Porsche, mm-hmm. Yeah, Porky Pig. Okay. So, so uh, I was looking at RT earlier today. And I saw a picture of Japanese Prime Minister Kishida, and he's sitting next to, I guess, the Ukrainian foreign minister. There's uh, something in Ukrainian written behind them. I tried to look at it. It looked like a recent picture. It looked like it said 2024. I couldn't quite read. Uh, I couldn't make out what was said on it, but it looks like something from uh, well, it may well have been just from from this past weekend or something. And the the. Headlines said Japan to give uh, 12.1 million to Ukraine, but then the body of the article said 12.1 billion. And I thought, what is this written by Americans who don't know the difference between millions and billions? Um, so I don't know. Uh, like 1.12 million is nothing to to get excited about. Japan does have deep enough pockets to send 1.12 billion, but it would just it would just show. I, like I'm I'm flabbergasted by how absolutely clueless the Japanese leadership seems to be, um, meaning both the politicians, but also the, the foreign ministry and also the, me- the media. Um, the, poli- the thing about, if, if you look at a list of Japanese prime ministers, you'll see that with a few exceptions, um, Prime Minister Abe is the most notable
Health Simple with Kalwara Shilaji, fact bit number three. Shilaji is the supreme yoga vaha. Within Ayurveda, Shilaji is the singular substance that towers above all other herbs, herbal minerals, and earth-made adaptogens. Yoga vaha refers to substances that have the ability to synergistically make better and carry other substances to its prescribed destination. In the case of Shilaji, most any herb, food, or mineral is amplified with ionic potential, superimposing superior efficacy with increased cellular energy and absorption rates. One of the best applications for Shilaji is to add a drop or two into your favorite herbal tincture and foodstuff. Simply put, Shilaji makes other substances more effective. Look for the Gold Mountain and Medical Symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. Did you know the IRS publicly admits that income tax is collected by voluntary compliance? Get the information you need to help you avoid income tax with these five easy steps. All you have to do is go to avoidincometax.com to get your five easy steps on how to avoid the IRS income tax. Escape the IRS. Let avoidincometax.com help you. We guarantee our five easy steps or your money back. Go to avoidincometax.com. Attention, freedom-loving patriots. Are you ready to dive deep into the principles that founded our great nation? Join me, Peter Serafine, and the Institute on the Constitution as we light the way to a brighter future with the Liberty Lighthouse Classroom. At liberty-lighthouse.com slash classroom, you'll find a treasure trove of online courses on the U.S. Constitution, carefully crafted to empower you with knowledge to defend your rights and liberty, whether you're a student, a history enthusiast, or just a concerned citizen. These courses are for you. Gain a comprehensive understanding of our Constitution's principles, the wisdom of our founding fathers, and how to apply them in today's world. As a special offer to our freedom-loving listeners of Republic Broadcasting Network, use coupon code RBN at checkout and get 20% discount on any course. Join the Liberty Lighthouse Classroom and be a part of the movement to uphold the values that have made our nation exceptional. Unleash the power of knowledge and protect what truly matters, our Constitution. Visit liberty-lighthouse.com slash classroom today. Don't miss this incredible opportunity. Use code RBN for 20% off. Together, we'll be the beacon of freedom our founding generation envisioned. Liberty Lighthouse Classroom. Illuminating minds, empowering patriots. About, if, if you look at a list of Japanese prime ministers, you'll see that with a few exceptions, um, Prime Minister Abe being the most notable exception, they come and go every year or two. Okay, so they're, they're not in office very long. Then if you were to click on the Wikipedia page of any given um, former, former prime minister, you'll see that they're, maybe they spend the year as foreign minister, a year as home, you know, the um, justice minister, a year as this a year that and they just kind of bounce around and really don't get expertise and I, i'm just amazed at 
at the uh, extremely low level of uh, of understanding that the Japanese leadership uh, seems to have about these things. And the last thing I'll say is, thirty something years ago, I was I was um, doing some research in Japan, and I went to the Japanese Foreign Ministry, and I had gone at the um, uh, int- with the introduction of a professor that that had been helping me, and he is he was somebody who had for- he, he was um, somebody who had formerly worked in the at the Russia desk or the uh, Soviet desk I guess it was at the time in the Japanese Foreign Ministry, and you know these people seemed very serious, and I talked to them they seemed to know what they were doing. I, where the hell have they gone? Because I just don't I don't get the impression that the um. The people running Japan have any clue as to what's going on. Uh, somebody was, I was listening to some show today. I think it was uh, Mark, Mark Collett who had on um, Kevin McDonald. Where he, Mark Collett interviewed Kevin McDonald, uh, I think last Friday. It was excellent and excellent discussion. And, you know, they were talking about, well, what does Putin know about Jewish power? And although he's got to know all about Jewish power, but he, you know, he can't just come out and say things about Jewish power because there would be repercussions. My very strong feeling about the Japanese is that at at the top of Japanese society, they have very little understanding. And to the extent anybody is alarmed at Jewish power, they still have very little understanding. They have they have a, a kind of a very primitive um, view of of what it is, you know, it's like just a banking conspiracy or something like that. They don't have, they don't, they just really don't seem to understand. I wonder about the Chinese because I, I would think that you know the Chinese have a much more stable um, leadership, right? And so I would assume that the Chinese have a uh, a better understanding. But you know, even even when you see uh, what was it. Uh, uh, Li Wei, what's the foreign minister's name? Oh, uh, Wang Yi. Right? Wang Yi, Wang Yi. I mean, when you saw Wang Yi talking to uh, Blinken right after the, the Biden took over, uh, you know, he still was saying. Oh, uh, that, that, that was that was uh, Yang Jieqi. Uh, that was that was the the guy before Wang Yi. That was Yang Jieqi. He already <laughs> retired. Yeah, he already retired. Okay. I think so. That was when they were in Alaska, and and Blinken was saying, well. You guys are, are mean to Wiggers, and uh, and then the f- Chinese foreign minister said, "Yeah, but you guys are mean to blacks." And um, and Blinken said, "Yeah, I know we're the blacks, but at least we're trying to do something well, can, about it." I can well, I can understand why he. Um, I mean, granted, he you know he doesn't know the exact situation that's happening in the United States, but I could see why he would say that. Um, and a lot of it is because you know a lot of China's uh, support on the global stage comes from. Sub-Saharan Africa, and from the uh, global South. Um, so they're basically portraying America as this, you know, the American Empire as this imperialist entity, which it indeed it is. Um, you know, albeit for you know a much different and uh, much different form than how you know most people in the global South will understand. But uh, basically, he he said that in order to um, it, it was basically kind of his way of of you know. Telling the, the the global South that you know America is is your biggest enemy, so that's why he would say it that way. Yeah, 
Um, you know, it's um, so. Mar- uh, well, Kevin McDonald, he he gave a pretty sophisticated take on on why um, Putin said some of the things he did say. Uh, both Mark Collett and uh, Kevin McDonald agreed that the uh, th- that the interview was not aimed at the RBN audience. It was aimed at at maybe the Fox News audience. It was aimed at a much much broader group of people. Uh, Frankly, less sophisticated, less knowledgeable. And truth be uh, told, it wasn't really even aimed at Americans. You know, it was also aimed that, at Europeans too. Yeah, I mean that's that's another thing. So we're we are so um, it's not what's the word um, Americocentric. We think we we're just so used to think of America as the center of the world. But yeah, he's he was talking to um, he was talking to the rest of the world. He was also talking to his own people. Because they would have had access to this, they would have been able to hear his words in in the native Russian without a translator, and they would have had a Russian translator for uh, Tucker, but they could have heard Putin's words, uh, you know, just raw. Uh, So, yeah, and had you know, the thing is, if if Doctor Duke told me that he thought if that Putin, he thinks Putin knows. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Tehebo Tea Club's original pure pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113. DrinkSuperTea.com. Here's some interesting news. Due to all the recent claims about possible nuclear wars, viruses, solar flares, and civil unrest, people are scrambling to prepare and stockpile food. But the one thing out of reach for many is an underground bunker. Until now. Because you can now have a 3D printed underground bunker in just one day. An excavator digs a hole in your backyard and 3dbunkers.com shows up in a small truck and sets up their 3D printer under a tent completely undetected. They can print as many rooms as you want at a fraction of the cost compared to traditional metal bunkers. 3D Bunkers uses polymer concrete, which is five times stronger than regular cement. YouTube 3DBunkers.com and watch the video. The creators of 3D Bunkers is looking for a business partner that can help bring this technology to the world. And we need to protect our way of life without living in fear. 
Contact Brad at 3dbunkers.com for more details or visit 3dbunkers.com. Homeowners, if your lender has gone out of business or sold your transaction to another lender or servicer, you may be the victim of a wrongful foreclosure resulting in the loss of your home. If you've already lost your home, are in foreclosure, or even in good standing, you can challenge the mortgage transaction's illegal issue and your property can be restored to you, and your foreclosure can be stopped or reversed and the mortgage transaction declared unenforceable. State laws, U.S. title codes, the Uniform Commercial Codes, and U.S. Supreme Court rulings have upheld that defective mortgage documentations can reverse or stop foreclosures and enforce property title claims in favor of the homeowner. We are having successes in stopping the process of foreclosure, the enforcement of the foreclosure judgments, the sale of property, and evictions after the sale. We are not attorneys, and we don't give legal advice. We are a professional team of legal researchers, providing forensic mortgage audits and expert witnesses. We have the knowledge to produce the evidence and enforce laws regarding your legal issues. We've been in business for 12 years without a complaint. Consultations are free, and we provide a free title search to confirm if your mortgage has legal defects. Email tom at republicbroadcasting.org. T-O-M at republicbroadcasting.org. And had, you know, the thing is, if, if Dr. Duke told me that he thought if that Putin, he thinks Putin knows if he were to come out and start talking about Jewish power, that it would be at a risk of World War Three. And Putin is nothing if he's not a very careful man. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, he Putin is very, very calculated in the way he speaks. He doesn't just come out and say, you know. He, because you notice in the interview when he was, you know, responding to Tucker's question, he would always pause for like a few seconds, think it, think it through, and then he would say, um, he doesn't say more than he has to say. Um, you know, you compare him to, well, this is for the, you know, RBN audience and for, you know, people who would call themselves, you know, uh, white nationalists. You know, he's not like a Hitler, for example, where when Hitler speaks, you understand exactly what is on his mind. You understand, you know, he says it outright as it is. Um, you know, and a lot of that has to do with the the Germanic versus the Slavic different temperaments of you know these two different distinct ethnic groups. Um, but um, yeah, Putin he thinks before he he speaks, so he doesn't just come out and say everything. He doesn't say more than he has to. Um, whereas you know, a, a leader like Hitler would just speak his mind, and that's why the entire world Jewry came down on on Hitler. You know, like uh, yeah. basically a ton of bombs. Um, you know, and, the whole, you know, all the world empires, whereas Putin, you know, he's more calculated. Um, and, and then, yeah. Well, and Dr. Duke added, he, he said, um, frankly, Hitler probably should have been a little more cautious, a little bit more like uh, like Putin. It's, Who knows? You it's know, difficult to say because hindsight, hindsight is twenty twenty, And yeah, also, the, the thing, too, is the, the, the whole, you know – World politics has completely changed, you know, ever since 1945. I mean, you know, it used to be more, you know, open and honest and people would because it wasn't just Hitler that was, you know, talking about Jewish power. There were other people, too, that were, you know, maybe people not quite to the leadership position of Hitler that would talk about Jewish power. Um, But today, you know, that's completely changed to where it's like, 
you know, you have to be more cautious and careful in how you say things. Uh, it didn't used to be the case, but now today it is. Well, if you were to go back to the 1930s, I can think of a couple examples. So you had the the king of Siam. What was his name? Raja something? Um, I can't remember his name. He was... Would it, was he the grandfather of the uh, uh, of Boomy Ball, who died about ten years ago, but had been king of Siam or king of Thailand for like sixty or seventy years? I think maybe either his father or his grandfather, who spoke very directly about Jews. Uh, you also had the uh, Shah of Iran, um, the the father of the uh, the Shah who eventually came to America in 1978, was overthrown by the uh, by the Islamic Revolution. But his father had sided with the Germans in World War II, and the British and the Americans were, and the Soviets um, were able to engineer his ouster because Iran was very important as a, uh, a pathway to get uh, U.S. and British supplies into the, into the Soviet Union. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they engineered his overthrow. Right. And then, of course, you had, you know, uh, maybe not political leaders, but prominent, you know, very, very well-known, very well-accomplished men, you know, like Henry Ford and, and you know, Charles Lindbergh. You know, these men would speak out against it. Um, Henry Ford a little bit more direct than, than Charles Lindbergh. Um, so, yeah, I mean, back then it, it wasn't um, it wasn't a uh, political taboo. I mean – the Jews always wanted it to be a political taboo, but they didn't have nearly as much power now as they did today after 1945. Um, so, yeah, that's that's why you know today it's it's a whole different ballgame. So you know, comparing then and now is I mean, it's comparing apples and oranges. You cannot compare like this. Um, so, I will say though, if if if, if you think that uh, President Vladimir Putin is dry. Um, Wait until you listen to President Xi Jinping speak. I mean, President Xi Jinping, he doesn't even give, you know, interviews, period. But, I mean, President Putin, I mean, compared to President Xi Jinping, Putin is exciting and he's, you know, full of uh, energy. Whereas President Xi Jinping, like, he is, he's he's a good leader and he says the right things, but he's very dry and he's kind of boring to, to listen to. Um, if, you know, but, I mean, he says the right things and he, he uses a lot of, like, old Chinese sayings and, Chinese proverbs, but he, you know, even he's even more discreet than Putin is. Yeah, in terms of how he says things. So some years ago, somebody sent me, um, I don't know, some some graphic image of uh, book titles in in Chinese that were purportedly uh, about how uh, Chinese people should emulate Jews. And get rich. Something, you know, some some uh, vaguely philo-Semitic stuff. And the thing is, you know, these book these book titles may very well exist, but China is is a huge country. I, I you know, with 1.4 billion people, you're you're obviously you're going to get like a million uh, books published a year, or, you know, millions of books published a year. I don't know how many. You're going to get a huge number of books published a year, and so you can pretty select. You could be pretty. Um, uh, you can cherry pick what you're going to show people. Um, I'm just wondering because I, I do sometimes talk to Chinese people in America and the Chinese people in America aren't the typical Chinese people. So I don't know what the typical Chinese people are thinking. But um, 
I, so when I'm talking to non-elite, maybe somewhat upper class, but not exactly true elite Chinese people in America, um, they seem to be a little bit curious about Jews, and I can talk about Jewish power in America to them, and they're open-minded, but um, don't seem to have a whole lot of background. I was wondering if what's your experience with this? Well, it's like just talking to uh, regular Chinese people about Jewish power. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, they're very open-minded. Um, they're not going to, you know, just totally shut you off and call you anti-Semitic and and and, and call you, you know, a Nazi or whatnot. They're, you know, they're, they're they'll listen to you and they'll hear you out. Um, but you know, Chinese, the Chinese temperament a lot is they think things through. They they want to, you know, take some time to kind of think about it before, you know, accepting it as as truth. Um, so you know, a lot of times, you know, I'll, I'll you know, have to, you know few interactions that I have with my uh, more more than a few I should say but whenever I do talk to them you know they they'll usually respond oh that's a, that's a very interesting perspective you know I, I should think about it or um you know of course some of them might be like hey you know be careful what you're saying there you know it, you know the the Jews have been through you know a lot of persecution and suffering even though you know you and I know that's not true or I mean it was it was not unwarranted I'll put it that way um and but you know they they they're, they'll listen to you and they won't they won't shut you down and they won't start shouting at you and then screaming at you and you know saying that oh you're you're evil you're anti-Semitic you 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 want to commit the Holocaust and <laughs> none of that um, now a lot of times what happens is you know we Chinese people we're very busy with our in our lives you know we work hard you know we we do what we can to you know. Uh, make a living and and you know save money for the future and and provide what's best for you know our children if we have children or you know just ourselves you know we're very very we Chinese people as a whole in America generally don't get too involved in politics or you know even in history or anything that's outside the scope of what it takes for them to make a living for them to you know be live a financially stable and secure life um they generally don't go out, you know, go beyond that. Um, they usually just focus on most Chinese, you know, most of the Chinese were in some kind of a, a, a STEM, you know, uh, profession, whether it's engineering, you know, science, technology, you know, some kind of, um, you know, being a doctor in medicine. We generally don't focus on subjects outside of, you know, that, um, you know, the kind of the STEM, you know, fields where most of our professions are. Um, so it's, um, they're open-minded to thinking about it, but, you know, I mean, though, after the conversation's over, let's say you're having, you know, let's say I'm having dinner with, you know, my Chinese, uh, you know, compatriots and we're talking about Jewish power or I'm explaining to them what it is after dinner, you know, we'll just thank you, you know, have a good night, you know, uh, Zaijian, you know, bye-bye. And then they usually won't think about it afterwards. They'll just, you know, go right back to, uh, focusing on what they need to do to be able to provide more, you know. For their for their own families, you know, financially. Mm -hmm. So uh, Americans tend to be very opinionated, even regarding things that that they don't know a whole lot about. And you know, I'll, I'll throw myself in there too. I I try to stay out of things that I don't really know much about, and I know so much about so many things. But um, but Americans do have a, a tendency to. Oh, oh, they'll engage in politics. They might have just ex they might be extremely low information, but it doesn't stop them. Um, I know from my dealings with, say, Japanese people, the Japanese people just w would rather avoid talking about things that could be 
uh, confrontational. And so they're they're not very likely to want to even talk about politics in the first place. Um, and it sounds like from what you're saying that, that the Chinese also are just less likely to want to engage in that kind of kind of conversation is that true right yeah that's that's exactly right they'll they'll listen to you and they'll hear you out but they won't like you know try to add further or try to you know contribute to the discussion further they'll just listen to you and say oh that that's interesting (laughs) you know and that's that's about it uh because to them it's you know it's irrelevant to what you know what they're doing in their life what what you know what their 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 goal is which is to you know make more money and be financially secure and stable you know for them and their family um, and to them, you know, talk about politics and, and history and, and Jewish power to them, it's it's irrelevant. Uh, OK. And uh, recently I saw a video. Was it somebody associated with Michael Yan? Uh, Michael Yan is a war correspondent. He's he's actually he does some good work, but he's also really hostile to China. He's, he's the type of person kind of like a Tucker type who will blame all all of the problems that are brought to us by Jews is the fault of the Chinese. But at any rate, I, maybe it wasn't his video, but I saw a video where um, they were interviewing uh, people who had just crossed the border. And there's some Chinese people who had just crossed the border. And the, the, pers- the people they were talking to, uh, they, were, they didn't look like military. They looked like kind of middle-aged. They weren't military. Uh, and then I got the impression from from what was said that these were people who were not pro Chinese government. Maybe they're following Gong. Maybe there's something else, but they're not pro Chinese government. I, um, the so I have my question is the, there is a lot of I mean most of the Chinese who are coming to the United States are coming um, legally through the front door. And right. we have a lot, we have way too much um, legal immigration as well. But they're they're coming legally through the front door. Uh, there are like the, the people who are who are surging over the border are from everywhere. Um, I don't think, given that that China has 1.4 billion people, the number of Chinese who are surging over the border is. Um, uh, you know, much less than their percentage of the. You know, they're they're not particularly well represented there, but there, there, there are some. Um, so my question is: the people who, first of all, the people who come here illegally, and then the the people who might be coming here uh, illegally, um, looking at them as two different categories. The people who come here legally, um, what is their attitude towards the Chinese government? To what extent are they people who um, are you know? With the two categories being, you know, more or less okay with the Chinese government, and I say more or less okay, or um, some kind of dissident like uh, Falun Gong. What- well, the ones that are the ones that are coming here legally, most of them, you know, they're they're you know foreign exchange students, and they're getting their their masters or their PhD in some kind of a uh, you know STEM, you know, some kind of engineering or, or science technology major is is what they're doing. And um, most of them, they don't. Again, they don't talk politics much. They just focus on their their field of study, which is science, technology, engineering, mathematics, medicine. Um, but most of them, if you if you did press them on the issue, you know, they'll. I mean, they won't say, you know, that it's oh, it's 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 horrible. It's oppressive. No, they'll say life there is is actually pretty good. It's pretty comfortable. 
you know, yeah, there are problems, just like there's problems anywhere else in the world, you know, just like we complain here about our, you know, whatever, our respective, you know, local, you know, city, county, state, government, whatever, here, um, you know, but overall, you know, they, it's generally a very positive, you know, outlook on mainland China. You know, I mean, every now and then you will get the complainer where, but the thing is, if you talk to him, you know, more you'll you'll realize he complains about everything you know not just not just the chinese you know not just his own uh, his own country his own government um so you know i mean the the ones that are coming here legally they usually don't have a uh bad attitude toward their own country their own government in fact the one thing that they will say is that it's so much safer back in china i mean that you walk in the cities in china you don't have to worry about getting mugged or getting stabbed or, or you know basically which we know why the reason is but they'll say yeah the cities in america are so dangerous um mm-hmm. and, and you know but whereas in china and in china the cities are a lot cleaner too compared to these american cities like you go to the new york subway station it's completely filthy with with all kinds of just vermin and and, and, and I mean literal vermin like rats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sometimes I gotta but, say sometimes like I saw the video of a New York subway rat and he he was like moving this box of of McDonald's French fries up a step. Yeah, I stairs. saw that too. Uh, yeah, that Tucker Carlson video. I, I saw that too. <laughs> it, it, honestly, it looked pretty cute. But um, but I, one, one thing I want one thing I want to say too about the so called uh, the the Chinese illegals so called. Number one, okay, the, this is the mainstream media assuming that, oh, these are Chinese. You know, How do we know they're actually from mainland China? How do we know they're not from Southeast Asia? Because most Chinese people who come to America until very recently because of you know, the U.S. You know, war machine propaganda, but until very recently, the Chinese people, they were, most of them were coming in legally through the front door. You know, and, and that's how most of them would, would – they have no reason to, to want to have to sneak in, you know, sneak out of China because the, the standard of living in China is very high, higher than America's in many cases. And yeah. But these, these illegals that are coming, number one, how do we know they're actually from mainland China? Number two, you know, I looked at some of the footage of these, these so-called Chinese, and it's like they don't look like they had trekked through, you know, thousands of miles of jungle and, and, and desert mm-hmm. and, 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 and no, they, sweat. No, they got suitcases on – They've got suitcases on the wheels so they can wheel through a, a uh, an airport. They, they um, look like and, they, they look like they had just got off a plane, literally just got off a plane, because they're very clean and, and compared to you know the the, the dark yeah. you know third world savages that are coming. Uh, so, sorry to use that term again, but that's what they are. People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read one. This product has been a godsend for my father, who suffered from a heart attack about two years ago. He was prescribed medications for his condition, which was so serious, he almost died. But he hasn't been able to afford most of the medications. After researching alternatives that were more affordable, he tried Extendivite. Since taking it, he has consistently lower blood pressure and experiences less angina. We are currently on our fifth bottle. I enthusiastically recommend this product, and I am grateful that it is available. To order, call one 877 928 
888-222-8822 or visit extendovite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extendovite. Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBTalk.com and join the social media revolution. What would you say if I told you we have a new tool that will increase production and lower maintenance costs for your meat processing company, and it would pay for itself in just six weeks? When pigs fly! The new Ease-Off Model EZ4 replaces old spring-style carcass droppers and is faster, safer, and more reliable. The Ease-Off lowers or lifts 1,000 pounds to or from your rail automatically using our remote control. Sounds expensive. Can I afford it? Can you afford not to try the Ease-Off? It installs fast with just three bolts in place of your current dropper. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue and injuries, speed up your line, eliminate downtime, and increase profit. How can I order my EaseOff? Go to EaseOff.com, E-A-Z-E-O-F-F.com, and hurry, because we are offering $200 off on the new Easy 4 for a limited time. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC. Summersville, Missouri. 417-932-6419. They look like they had just got off a plane. Literally, just got off a plane because they're very clean and, and compared to you know the the, the dark yeah. you know third world savages that are coming. Uh, so, sorry to use that term again, but that's what they are. <laughs> okay, so um. And you made the point that there's ten, tens of millions of ethnic Chinese in countries like uh, Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia, Philippines, Vietnam. There, there, there's just there's tens of millions. So, you, so okay. One last thing, okay, because we're running out of time. But one last thing. So the ruling party of China is the Communist Party of China. Now the ruling party of the United States right now is the Democratic Party. Now the Democratic Party has been named the Democratic Party for over 200 years. And um, or I guess I guess it was the Democratic Republican Party it became the Democratic Party just under 200 years ago. Um, but that doesn't mean that they revere free and fair elections just because their name is the Democratic Party. Right. So right. what's in the name? The um, Communist Party of China is I guess it's uh, uh, over 100 years old now. It's more or less 100 years old. 1920. Um, what's so what's in the name? Um, is 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 China communist? No, <laughs> not in the ideological sense. No, not not not. In fact, 
in some ways, China is actually more capitalist in the sense it's actually easier to do business and start your own business in China than it is in the United States. I mean, you know, if you try starting your own business in the United States, man, it's a nightmare. There's a lot of red tape and a lot of, you know, regulations of this and that you got to follow. In China, you don't have that. It's a lot easier to start a small business there. So in some ways, China is, is more, you know, free market or free enterprise, if you want to call it that, than the United States. It, it's just a label. That's all it is. Um, it's just China. You could say, yeah, it's, it's more centralized. It's more authoritarian. Um, but that's okay because the people's livelihood is, is good. Paternalistic. Um, paternalistic. Yeah, paternalistic. Uh, I'll put it this way. The Chinese, the Communist Party of China has just as much in common with Mao as the Democrat Party and the Republican Party has in common with the Founding Fathers and really all the way up to you know the Democrats and Republicans of the 60s. I mean, it's totally 180 degrees, you know, yeah. um, except China's case, it went from bad to good. America's went from good to bad. Uh, one, one more yeah. thing I, I want to say about this this border thing, too, with, with this, you know, so-called Chinese coming over. Isn't it interesting how whenever the mainstream media reports on the third world, uh, you know, dark, you know, dark brown people coming over, it's all about, oh, compassion and humane. And we need to stand up to, uh, you know, against racism. And anyone who criticizes that is, is a white supremacist, racist, far right, Nazi, you know, all this. And then, you know, suddenly when it comes to only and exclusively Chinese immigrants, the ma- that same mainstream media suddenly becomes the very, you know, far right, you know, Aryan, blonde hair, blue eyed supremacist. That they accuse, you know, the um, you know, middle white America of being that same mainstream media suddenly says, "Oh, it's an invasion, and we need to, you know, we need to protect our, you know, America's interests. We need to protect, you know, only blonde hair, blue eyed." <laughs> I mean, not literally, but you know what I mean. It's like they suddenly flip. So just think about that, and then you know, of course, the way that they say Chinese, you know, even though they might be Southeast Asian, it's kind of like you know when. They'll say, "Oh, these are Mexicans coming over." When in reality, they're Central Amer- they're Central and South Americans, and people from all o- other you know dark places of the world. So, just wanted to, to mention that too. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've got way too much immigration. We got to do something about it. Will we ever do anything about it? Or will it be too late? Probably. But at any way, thank you. At any rate, thank you for joining me, Cato. Yeah, thanks, Doctor Slattery. Hope you uh, feel better. Uh, I'm working on it, and I'll be back again tomorrow with another exciting episode of National Legal Radio. Gilad Atman says the essence of Jewish power is the ability to prevent the discussion of Jewish power. Jewish power requires anybody in politics to understand it and know about it, but never talk about it. My awakening really sums up with the very best evidence, the facts and the truth about race and the fact that race drives history and the truth about the Jewish question. The younger you get, the greater the percentage of people who identify as alphabet soup, you know, LGBTQ, RS. This woman, she's like, oh yeah, I identify as a koala two years ago. And I'm like, what? A koala? What? Maybe if it was quickie koala, that might be cool, but otherwise, you know. How about an inward pass? Have you ever received an inward pass from any of your black friends? 
Biden invited a drag queen to come for the signing of the Respect for Marriage Act. It's the Respect for Anal Sex Act. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, let's, let's, let's just call it like it is. The Patrick and Jeremy Show, Tuesday at 9 Central and Wednesday at 1 Central. This is RBN, the Republic Broadcasting Network.